Hello, friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Fit Project podcast. My name is Roy Hanford, and today I am speaking with Matt Moore. For those of you in the Spartan Race Australia community, you'll know Matt from his outlandish gear he wears at races, as well as his OCR online training program, One More Rep. Matt is a coach, business owner, and PT who loves what he does. And in today's episode, we're talking, obviously, COVID-19 and the ramifications it has on the OCR community in Australia and globally, mindset, and also Matt is on the other side of the couch getting interviewed for a podcast as he uh, hosts his own show usually talking to um, top-tier athletes in the obstacle course racing community. Now, just a little listener warning, Matt does love to swear on occasion, so there are a few moments during this episode where he will cuss, and we've left those in for authenticity's sake and also so that you can get a good idea of the, I guess, emotional toll this sort of pandemic can take on business owners. So welcome to another episode of the Fit Project podcast with Matt Moore. Let's get into it. How are you guys? In the house. We finally finally got to do this thing. Yeah, yeah it's been a little while. We, we were originally um, seeing up uh, a live chat at a, at a race that might have been Turden, I think, maybe we were talking. Yeah, uh, but that's not going to happen now. So <laughs> Not for a little while. No. Can you fucking believe that Turden was only supposed to be the weekend just passed? Like how, how long March has been? <clears throat> it's definitely been an epic month, that is for sure. It's been absolutely mental. Mental. Hopefully it stabilises a little bit. Even if we're in lockdown for a little while or something like that, at least we get a bit of stability and a sense of knowing what's what's happening instead of all this just changing every single day. It's very uh, very turbulent at the moment. Yeah, well, where are you at the, sorry. At the minute? Fuck off, Siri. <laughs> hey, Siri. <laughs> get out of here. Don't have time for your shit. Um, where, are you, uh, where are you at the moment? Uh, I'm at home in Sydney, so nor- northwest Sydney out at Bella Vista. So, yeah. Um, and how has this uh, how's this whole thing changed your life, your career? <laughs> um, yeah, well, pro- probably in much the same way that it's affected fucking everybody. Um, it's affected pretty much every sector. Uh, if you haven't been financially affected by this yet, you, you probably will be at some point, or you're you will at least have a, a drop in services um, that, that you might have enjoyed before. Um, <clears throat> yeah, look, I, I'm, in, I'm in fitness, so it's not a great time to be in fitness right now. Um, it's especially not an excellent time to be specialising in obstacle race training when there's <laughs> no obstacle races for a little while. So, yeah, it's been, it's been interesting, man. And normally you're on the uh, you're on the other side of this because you've got a podcast. You do a lot of online, yeah, um, training, coaching, 
working with individuals. So um, have you have you had an interview? Um, you I, I've done a couple. I've yeah. done a couple. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's pretty rare now. I, I was live last night. I was chatting to Adrian Janenga on, uh, on, on my sort of chat show thing that I do. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's, it's pretty rare somebody messages me for a chat. Um, well, it's cool, man, because, uh, yeah, we've, I guess, met in passing on course and then also, I guess, in the, in the digital space via Spartan Race. Um, but I'm always blown away by, uh, what one more rep, the community vibes of one more rep and what you've cultivated, uh, you know, basically as an online business yeah, with a face-to-face development. So, um, what's all that about where to come from? Um, I think I've, I, I, I went on a bit of a personal development um, journey years ago myself and, and sort of got into this idea of being the best person I could possibly be, whether that's uh, physically or mentally. Um, I'm a voracious reader, um, but I used to just read for entertainment and then I sort of switched into a personal development. Um, and I just noticed my, my life change very quickly. Uh, very, very rapidly, I, I noticed things that I'd struggled with for a long time um, went away. And often it wasn't the it wasn't the physical things. Like I, I think I think physical fitness is something that is very temporary. And I think a lot of people right now might see a, a big shift in their routines and, and possibly some of the gains that they've they've cultivated for a long time. They they may lose, um, maybe not, but. Many people, that might be the case. I think if you focus on the physical gains, um, it's temporary. I think if you work on the on the mental gains and, and the mindset side of things and becoming more gritty, I think that's permanent. So I, I think as I sort of went through this personal development and I started changing a lot of things about my life and I saw it dramatically improve in a, in a very short period and I, I shuffled into fitness um, I, I was in. Uh, I was a business development manager, corporate development manager at the end of my career, working in logistics, so basically sales. Um, I was in a suit every day. Uh, went on my sort of PD journey and, and started getting fit, and um, very quickly realised that I was sort of sick of working for a company and making. You know, I, I was making a lot of money. I, I was pretty good at my job, but it was. I, I just wanted more. Wanted a bit of purpose, so I went into fitness. Um, Started a face to uh, initially. I was doing it as sort of a side hustle, so I was training some people on the weekends, some parks, doing a little bit of programming. Got got my certification uh, while I was still working full time, and then I just pulled the trigger and and got straight into a gym, and uh, basically left a job and had to make. I, I think I, I started in a gym at uh, at UFC at Blacktown as a as a face to face trainer, and I had to make eight hundred dollars clear in my first week um, to keep myself off the ground. So I, th- I think that first couple of weeks we were, I, I was sleeping in my car, um, 100 hours a week in the gym, and, and I, I just fell in love with it. <clears throat> and being able, and, and you know as well, being able to get changes in people and and get people who maybe have battled with weight their whole lives and, and lose a bit of weight, um, how life-changing that can be to somebody and their, and their self-confidence. What I, what I found was that when people's triggers were really were really high, so say I had a client who really wanted to lose weight because she had a wedding coming up 
I, I noticed that she got absolutely amazing results in a short amount of time. And then after that um, drive to, to get those results was taken away, she very quickly rebounded to back where she was. So I started to sort of get this idea to change with a lot more of a mindset level and more of a, more of a habits level. Um, around the same time, I started doing obstacle racing and I did my first Spartan sprint at, at Picton. I think 2016 or 2017, um, and it absolutely kicked my ass. I think it took me an hour 40, and I, I was quite strong at the time. I was I was pumping a lot of weight, but cardio I was very much allergic to. Um, and yeah, man, I, I just fell in love with it. Like it just kicked the shit out of me, and I was like, how do we how do we do more of this? I think we did True Grit. Me and my mate, we did True Grit a month later. A month after that, we did something else. We did a 12-hour enduro. I, I did a 12-hour enduro that year. I did. A, I think I did a – we did a bright trifecta. So I sort of went from, from nothing to just straight into it um, pretty hardcore. So after a little while, I, I started taking people and started attracting people to my, my face-to-face fitness um, business. And I, I was probably doing about 60, 70 sessions a week at the time. So I was, I, I was pretty busy. Um, heaps and heaps clients and as my interest went into obstacle racing I started to pull them into obstacle racing what I found was as people started to get into obstacle racing and get out of their comfort zone and and push and do things that they never thought that they could do not only was that providing a very good stimulus and a very good goal structure to keep people on track with their exercise because you've always sort of got the next level race or you've, you've got an event coming up in three months and that's sort of puts a, a sense of urgency on your training, but also just in the mental toughness and, and what people were doing as far as how their lives were changing. Um, we were starting to get people and, and I was starting to change people on a mental level and, and a resilience level. And I'm sure you've seen very similar things with, with clients of your gym and, and, and stuff that you put out, you know, you, you, affect people at a mindset and a very habit and a very changed lifestyle level from what I can see. So before too long, I was trying to get to every obstacle race that I could. Um, I was trying to work out how do I do more of this? How do I, how do I do this every weekend? That, that was what I wanted to do. And the, the thing for me, like, yes, I love getting out of my comfort zone. Yes. I love pushing my limits. Um, I've got a terrible shoulder, I've got, a, I've got a rebuilt knee that was rebuilt 10 years ago and that gives me a bit of trouble. Like I've, I've got a couple of things over my body that sometimes hold me back from, from being able to perform um, as good as I possibly could. So to, from where I'm at right now to, to get to peak athlete of the sport is probably a pretty long journey. Mm. Um, but I really enjoy doing the long distance stuff. But what I love most and what, what I fell in love with the sport was getting out onto a course where I didn't know anyone and running around, say, a sprint with a beginner wave and just seeing people who had absolutely no fucking idea what they were doing. They might have had no business being there um, and helping them get over things and, and seeing the, the somebody's face when they're telling you they're too scared to climb over a cargo net and you just hold their hand and fucking get them up there. Um, so I sort of fell in love with this sport and I was starting to see people get changed at a, at a mindset level. And, and I think if you can change someone at a mindset level, you can give them the tools. It's like this teach a man to fish, give a man a fish, right? You can, as a PT, you can take a client and give them a meal plan and 
you can write that meal plan for them every week and adjust to their exercise and adjust to their macros and they will, they will lose weight as long as they're on that diet. Mm-hmm. But as soon as you take that away, they don't have the tools anymore to get that success, right? So I would rather teach somebody how to calculate their own macros, how to adjust their own macros. If they have a week where they've picked up a little niggle in their knee and they've got to drop their running kilometres, what do they have to adjust to their diet to, to suit for that? And I think as an extension, when you when you train people and when you affect people at a mindset level, you you create hardier people. You, my clients are thriving at the moment, a, a lot of them, um, and I'm seeing a lot of people struggling. Um, and and some of the people that have been with me for six months, for a year, um, they're they're doing really really well because over time we've we've changed their habits, we've changed their mindset, we've we've gone from a from a fixed mindset to a growth mindset and they're starting to see opportunity in the situation instead of restriction. So I guess I realised pretty early that I wasn't going to be winning events. Um, so how could, I, how could I be involved in this sport? How could I do this sport as much as possible? Um, you know, what, what would it look like for me? Because I, I wasn't going to enter as an athlete and, and build a career as an athlete. So they, they usually say like the best coaches are the guys who didn't have all the athletic advantage and they had to like find the ways to make it work for them. They had to find the tweaks and, and you know, the guys who create the communities and stuff like that, they're, they're the ones who, who, who are the best coaches. So the shift to online was very easy for me because... I wanted to get to more races and when I was working 60, 70 sessions a week in the gym every week, I couldn't do that Um, and I couldn't leave clients high and dry. So eventually I started tapering into online. I think for me it became I don't want to train somebody who's already winning races and teach them how to win more races because they're not the person who's going to benefit from my help the most. I think the person that I want to help is somebody who is 45 years old. They've never done anything crazy. They've, you know, they hate their fucking job. They might be in a bad relationship. Um, they're, they're, there's things about their life they don't like. So how can we pick one very small area of their life and, and get improvements in that area and then watch it all flow out? And you, and you sort of see clients will do that, you know, after taking clients who have never done anything crazy and, I guess getting them into my philosophies and ways ways of thinking and ways of doing things and getting them to push further and further out of their comfort zone and, and physically and mentally, um, you, you start to see them create these tools for themselves on how to handle situations and how to continue getting results and how to handle adversity. Um, so while I don't agree with, like, I, I love Spartan, I love what they do. Um, I had the the joy to interview Joe and have a one-on-one chat with Joe when he was in Sydney a little while ago. Um, and, and I love what he's built and what he stands for. Um, I sort of have my own take on that. Like I really like getting people out of their comfort zone. I, I'm running a challenge at the moment and I've got people this week, one of their challenges, uh, mindset challenges, is they have to film themselves doing a dance for 10 minutes and upload uh, 10 seconds and upload it to the group. Um, another challenge that they're doing this week, we're doing daily burpees. Um, three days a week this week, they have to do it blindfolded. And last week it was they had to do start a live video and do their burpees live. And, and some people last week really struggled with the live video. 
some people this week who didn't struggle with the live are now really struggling with the dancing Mm -hmm. and some people are really struggling with the blindfold. Um, But you're sort of seeing that everything I'm doing doesn't challenge everyone, but everything, like one thing I do will challenge somebody, you know what I mean? So I guess for me it's about how can I, how can I reach the people who are 45-year-old Sally and who, who maybe hasn't done anything crazy and how do I, I guess, take them from where they are now to, to where I want them to be, which is stronger, mentally tougher, much more physically fit, being able to handle adversity. The easiest way for me to do that is to create community, create tribe. Um, it's it's got to be inclusive. It's got to be, I have a really, really strong no dickhead policy. Um, there, there's been a very small amount of times where I've had a call with a, with a first-time client or somebody looking into my services and we've gone through a call. If they're a dickhead, they don't even get to a sales pitch. They don't even hear a price list. Um, but very occasionally someone will sneak in and they're just not the right fit. Um, if, if they start in the group and there's negativity, they're picking on somebody for not being able to do something, they're fucking immediately cut. I'll refund their money. Fuck off. Yeah, this, is, this is not the place. So for me, I guess, creating tribe, creating community and creating inclusiveness is a way for me to get the most results out of my clients and I guess that's where the that's where the culture from my work comes from it's about being the best person you can possibly be it's about not caring where you start it's the intent to improve that's that's what I care about more who are your you mentioned Joe the center founder of Spartan Race before who and we've just been talking a lot around mindset who are some of your I guess, influences in terms of stuff that you've read or mm. um, you use the word grit, which is great. Um, who are some of your influences that have helped shape your mindset? Mm-hmm. Um, there's a couple. From a business standpoint, I, I like Gary Vee. Um, <laughs> he's just tough love, but good message um i actually it just read a book that was fucking fantastic on this written by um who i believe is the leading scientist in the world on grit called angela duckworth and then the book's called grit um and she talks about um a couple of different people that have different viewpoints on it and you know the the way to um being gritty is having purpose or the way to mean gritty is really enjoying what you're doing. And there's a couple of different people who have different standpoints, a couple of really prominent psychologists. But um, she did a really, really good job, and I literally finished it last week. She did a really good job of just putting it all together in a really cohesive way using science, um, using anecdotal evidence as well in stories, but just a really good way of doing all of it. Um, Another couple, uh, I haven't actually read David Goggin's book, but I, I downloaded it literally today. Um, just because I finished a book, uh, I finished another book today, so I downloaded a couple. Um, but I'm just going to go through my list. Yeah. I, I like Joe Decina's book, The Spartan Way. That was pretty interesting. Um, there was one called The Mindful Athlete um, by a guy called George Mumford. Now he worked with people like uh, the Chicago Bulls and taught them about about mindfulness and how to be aware of yourself. Um, and that's sort of the idea of like when you're running and you're hurting, you're like mindful of what's hurting. Why am I hurting? Can I push through this? 
Um, so, so that was another really interesting standpoint. Um, I read a lot of business stuff. There's a couple of books that have been really influential for me for um, mindset though. Um, one by a guy called Matt Fitzgerald, who's a, he's a sports journo, but he works a lot with a couple of um, um, neuroscientists and he wrote a book called How Bad Do You Want It? And his, it, it reads like a, um, it reads like a, a short story, like biography book. So there's like short, like stories about a certain famous athlete and what they faced and how they overcame it. So he basically takes all these principles that are backed in science. So he'll tell a story and he'll tell you um, what happened. So there was a guy, um, Willie something, can't remember his last name, um, it might have been in the 80s, who had, it was a really fit guy, had an accident, had his arm ripped off, um, so basically had one arm and, um, you know, sent his life into a spiral, eventually found endurance sports, came back into it um, and ended up having to sort of readapt how he did everything, he ended up playing one-arm rugby. Um, he ended up he ended up winning like the Catalina Marathon, like not the Paralympian division, like the, the fucking able athlete division, like crazy dude. Got a, got a wild card into the um, Hawaiian Ironman and finished like out of like 800 competitors. So his goal was just to finish it. He finished like 147th out of like everyone and had to do that swim with one arm. Um, and it, and it, it, so he'll tell this story about him and how he faced what he faced, but many who will go into all about the neuroplasticity in the brain and what's actually happening with the workaround. And that's where you'll see somebody who has a, an injury and I've got a shoulder that's completely fucked. Um, you'll see that I just adapt and do things a certain way and I might do things a bit wonky like when I go over rings or something because I don't have the mobility that I used to have. But given enough time, your body will find a workaround. So that's a really, really good book. Um, Finding Ultra was an interesting one. That's a guy called Rich Roll. He's, uh, he's big on um, plant powder and he, he ran, he went from like, I think in like a year, he went off the lounge. He was, he was like a lawyer who was living on cheeseburgers and beer, went off the lounge, went plant powered, got crazy into his fitness and ended up running the Ultraman in Hawaii, um, which is basically a double full Ironman. So double, double marathon, double, double the swim, double the ride. Um, so that's a pretty good story. Another one that's really good is Atomic Habits was pretty good by a guy called James Clear. And another one I really enjoyed recently was 12 Rules for Life by Jordan Peterson. Yeah. What, what about you? you well, listen, do you listen to most of your books? Do you audio most, most of them, yeah. Um, which, which is more I, – I used to read a lot physically. Um, I went more into audio books because when I was a BDM, I was driving around to a lot of sites, so I started listening to audio in the car. Um, but being a business owner, time is a scarce resource most of the time. Yeah. So being able to leverage my time, like I, I just bought a new book um, by that same author, Matt Fitzgerald, who wrote that um, How Bad Do You Want It book. Um, I bought a new one of his this morning called Diet Cults. Um, which talks about just the, the perfect way to eat and how we've evolved and why we should eat a certain way and why vegans will tell you it's the best and why vegetarians will tell you it's the best. And it's, it's, I'm only like three chapters in, but it's fucking mint. But I, I just walked the dog for an hour listening to that. So for me, audio is, um, it's, it's a way to leverage my time. I can, I can do a couple of things at once. Um, 
And I, I used to read for enjoyment. I don't so much do that anymore. Um, okay, so then from that, going to go a little bit personal now, mm. if that's okay. Yeah. What's been, what's been your lowest point, uh, not necessarily physically because we've talked about your knee and your shoulder, but I guess uh, from, a, from an emotional or a spiritual point of view, what's been your lowest point? Why? And what did you do to get out of it? Because there's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of people losing jobs. You know, we touched on the COVID thing earlier. Um, so, yeah. I think you're a pretty positive guy as well. So, <laughs> yeah. I, I've always been positive. I've always been optimistic. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've always been pretty pretty happy um, and, and I'm, I'm a glass half full kind of guy. But for a long time, I, I made some pretty bad choices in my life um, and I, I didn't accept my own bullshit. So for, for probably like my early 20s, I just sort of thought the world owed me something. Like I was always smart enough to keep up, um, didn't have the work ethic because I could get by on my smarts. Um, and I think I just thought the world owed me something and realised that uh, I was in bad relationships I shouldn't have been in. I was drinking way too much. I was doing drugs. I was like I, I never sort of had a, a real problem with any one thing in particular, but I, I've always been sort of a man of extremes. So I'd sort of go off on a – I might go off and drink too much for a week and then go, oh, can't do that, that's bad, and then I'd go off onto something else. But, um, but yeah, I just wasn't living a very good life, man. I, I didn't have a lot of gratitude for what I had. Um, and yeah, just bad, bad choices. I think I got to a point where I lost my license. I might've been speeding on the motorbike, but I, I'd just been on a bit of a bad run for the last couple of months. I got out of a bad relationship, got into an even worse relationship, was probably drinking too much and taking too many drugs. And I, I think I got done. Well, I know I got done on the motorbike doing 188 in an 80 zone, um, which on a sports bike wasn't too hard to do. And yeah. it was actually pretty safe. Like I was sort of out in the back of the country. So I just opened it up in the wrong spot. But um, yeah, so I lost my license, lost my job. Um, yeah, and I was just in a really, really, really bad place. Um, and I was taking, I think I was taking Valium at the time um, to sort of take the edge off. And if you, do too much of that stuff that can that can put you in a real bad place um yeah and i ended up ended up trying to take my own life ended up in the hospital um took me a little bit of time to get out of it to dig myself out of that hole i i guess that was probably my lowest point uh where i went something's got to change but i was just so sort of unhappy with where i was there was no there was no progress i, I felt like i was just treading water um i was earning good money but I was spending it as fast as I was earning it. And, yeah, it was just – it wasn't very good. So I, I ended up cutting uh, quite a few people, um, changed my habits, got a pretty good support network of people around me, and that was pretty much when I got on the, the PD train and started really looking at how can I make more for myself, um, which was probably, I don't know, mid-20s maybe, maybe like 26, so – not not that long ago. No. So, yeah. But um, fuck. The only the only thing that can change is you, right? Yeah. Like, the the wind's always going to fucking blow, and if you 
at the moment, a big nasty wind's just come and blown a lot of people over and you just fucking decide how long you lay on the ground for. Like you're the only person who can change the situation. You know, you've got, I think even last week, like I got into a bit of a, I sort of launched this challenge and I was just feeling a little bit directionless and, and I sort of hit a bit of a slump. Um, might have also been attributed to the fact that I just got a new PlayStation and got Red Dead Redemption. But <laughs> but um, I just, my motivation was just at an all-time low. And I, I just meant, you know what, fucking, I've got all this time now. Like I wasn't prioritizing my physical fitness before because I worked so fucking hard. Now our business has dropped. So get fit again. Sort your shit out. Download some more books, you know, learn a new skill. I'm going to start working on my handstands again. Might teach myself how to juggle again. So, you know. Just use your time as well as you can. But I think what's changed, I, I think if, if corona had happened to me when I was 26, I probably would be in the hospital Yeah, because I just didn't have that mental resilience, right? And I think a lot of people see people doing well and see where they're at at the moment and they can't put the steps together to get there. Um, but it just... It, fuck it doesn't have to be that hard it's just one a day at a time right just work on one thing you can improve every day and in a pretty short amount of time you'll you'll come a long way do you think that there's a correlation between taking steps or taking action towards your physical well-being that directly correlates with your mental well-being a hundred percent a hundred percent and i think Taking action is the big one and, and you, you know, in business as well. Um, it's just taking action. Just get fucking shit done. Um, the more shit you try, it won't always all work in physical and in mental, um, but the more stuff you try, eventually stuff will work. Um, I think there's a basic level of exercise that you need to do to maintain a level of mental health for sure. So I think you're seeing a lot of people at the moment who are maybe quite struggling in Australia in the last week, two weeks, because they've lost their gyms. Now, it's not necessarily the loss of the exercise that's affecting people as much, even though that, that is a big thing. But you can, you can go walking for like an hour a day which isn't much, it's not very strenuous and, and get those benefits. I think what most people are struggling with at the moment is, is the loss of community. I think gyms gave people, well, gave a lot of people a place to belong, the same as workplaces. Um, if you worked in a restaurant and you liked working there and you liked the people you work with, that was your community, that was your place where you worked and that was the place where you liked to be and where you belonged and where you fit in. And when that's taken away, um, that's going to leave a fucking hole, right? So I think that's exercise is definitely important, but I think community and, and knowing that people are in it the same as you and people are also trying to improve themselves, if you can find that community, that's going to be huge in, in helping your mental health. And what's, um, uh, again, we've, we touched on this before and you just mentioned it as well around juggling handstands. What's, um, yeah. what's happening at, at OMR HQ and you've got a challenge going at the moment. Yeah. Um, 
no yeah. courses in the near future. <laughs> what's the uh, what's the pivot there, Matt? Fuck, man. Um, yeah, that's thinking fast. Uh, as soon as they started announcing that events were going to close down, I'm, I'm lucky enough. My my partner uh, Dominica, who you've probably seen uh, at races, she um, she's right pretty high up in New South Wales Health. So she um, she's sort of one of the directors in New South Wales Health and she's been keeping me across what's happening. Um, as far as projections for where they think it's going to go and, and now it's all pretty much out, but like they were talking a couple of weeks ago, like be worried, be more worried than what people are worried. Like this is, this is bigger than we think it is. Um, so I guess it was just a bit cautious there. When I was seeing how much it was starting to spread um, and then there was a bit of info coming on how it was spreading asymptomatically, Mm. I knew it was going to be big enough that it was going to hurt me. Um, Being that I specialise in online OCR training. Um, So immediately, as soon as they started cancelling events, I literally turned my my ads off, which usually run pretty full time. and I thought, what are people going to need? Um, there, there was talk going out about quarantine. I think Italy had just gone into quarantine. And I said, well, if that happens, if gyms start closing, um, what are people going to need? People don't need exercise. I think a lot, of, a lot of people in fitness make the error in thinking that their exercise is the commodity. Um, and it, it sort of is if you're like if, if you're if you're a Spartan elite if you're like right at the top and you wanna you wanna go to a certain expert who's an amazing endurance running uh, coach and he's gonna t- tell you how to take your running from three and a half minutes to three minutes mm. like then you're going to that guy for expertise you're going to him for the exercise you're going to him for you know what's in his brain that he can teach you or you're just gonna listen to what he says. I think if you're talking with most of the market, the exercise isn't the commodity. The results are because people have been able to get free exercise forever. You know, you, do you put up a wad on your story more than once a week? Well, yeah, and exercise, exercise was definitely free. Yeah, fucking right. You yeah. can go on any influencers YouTube and find workouts that are filmed with professional cameras and edited really well, and they're probably better than anything I put out and, and have the capacity to put out. And you can find that shit for free. Mm-hmm. So, what's the difference between what I do and what they do is the the results. It's mm-hmm. the it's the accountability. It's keeping people on track. It's keeping people moving. Um, it's overcoming adversity. It's getting people to push out of their comfort zone. So. Immediately, I thought if racing is going to be off, a lot of the, 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 the best thing about Spartan and the reason why I see it as so transformative for a lot of people is it is such an amazing community. And when people join it, they want to stay in it because mm. it's a lot of fucking cool people, right? So it's like this school reunion thing. So when you went to school and then you left school and then you got a school reunion coming up, if you're doing well, you're like, you're pumped for the reunion. If your life's fucked, you're like, I'm not going to that reunion. Like, that's embarrassing, right? So Spartan sort of has that same sort of pull. Like, you, you meet each other at every race or two and you, you're improving. 
and you're showing the, the group how you've improved when you haven't seen them. So it's not necessarily just about what happens at race state. It's what's happening when you're not at race state. It gives you that drive. It gives you that, that really good goal structure where you have a certain goal that you need to get to. It's, it's time-based. It's fucking you've, you've got skin in the game because you've just paid a shitload for tickets. Um, so it's, it's a really good goal structure. So a lot of these people from the Spartan community and, and gyms in, as a whole have lost that community. And a lot of that community was where they were getting their accountability. So immediately for me, it's what, what do people need? People need to feel like they belong. People need to be happy. People need to feel some level of control over their circumstances. Um, because if you think that you're completely out of control, that's not a happy place to be. Um, and people need to stay moving. People need to be eating reasonably well. Uh, and I'm sure you know how much of a slippery slope it is if you're, if you're exercising really well and then you get injured and you can't exercise, how everything else just sort of fucking slides with it, right? All of a sudden you're making bad food choices. All of a sudden you, you're up until four in the morning, you know, and you're, and you're not sleeping right and it's a slippery slope. So if we can get people into a challenge at home where they don't need any equipment and get people moving every day, even if it's just 30 burpees a day, um, my, my guys are doing additional stuff. There's a lower body and upper body uh, an OCR workout and then there's a couple of different challenges of, of different types every week. Um, but they need to move. They need to feel like they belong. They need a bit of entertainment. They need to know that other people are in the same fucking boat and that, yes, there is this big thing that's out of their control. So what do they still have control over? Um, and then it was sort of, you know, that's what I'm going to do and that's how I'm going to pivot the, the business. But then what can I do with that attention and what can I do with that resource? Mm-hmm. So one of the things was having community challenges and, and mindset challenges, right? So the mindset challenges I've already spoken about. Um, I, I've really gotten into the hurricane heats lately. I just love the, the format of it and getting uncomfortable and staying uncomfortable. Um, and I'm exploring different ways to do that that aren't necessarily in a physical sense because I've, I ended up having 183 people in the challenge. Mm. Um, I've, I've had about a week to market it. Um, and it's pretty hard to deliver exercise online to 183 people that they can all do. So having a mindset challenge of going live on the, you know, people might not all be able to do a 50 kilo farmer's carry for 2Ks. You know, that's not something that everyone can do. So what can we do that is going to challenge people? So doing a, a live feed on their, on their Facebook. I, I go live all the time. I've been doing it for years. If you go back and find my first live, they were fucking terrible. I used to be shit scared of public speaking before I got into fitness. Um, and it's a skill. It's something that you overcome. And when you overcome that fear and when you overcome that, that thing that you were afraid of, you become a fucking better person on the other side. So if I can get people to go live on their, on their social media with their burpees in the group, you know, that's going to help them overcome a fear. But a, plenty, a heap of people in the group have now started doing that for their business. You know, now they're reaching their customers in ways that they couldn't before and now have to because they have to pivot as well. So I'm sort of giving them tools to succeed as well. Um, the first community challenge in the group was you had to do a welfare check 
and it was a little bit lighter. It was like it's, this fucking thing has changed so fast and so dramatically um, that the, the stuff that I planned at the start of the challenge, half of it we can't even do anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's sort of just changing day to day. But the first community challenge was go and do a welfare check. So find somebody elderly in your street or somebody that you know, maybe go and knock on their door if it's safe to do so, keep your distance, um, make sure they're okay. Um, if they need anything from the shops, you can go to the shops for them um, if, if they're happy to give you the cash because it's meaning that, you know, you might be young and healthy and not at risk. They are, so you can maybe mitigate the risk of them having to go to the shop. Um, if they were fine for you to do so, go in and do a welfare check on their house. So just make sure all their windows and doors lock because if shit goes crazy, you know, people are going to start getting broken into. Mm. So it was sort of, you know, how can I do a little bit of good? Um, and that just adds to the whole community and the culture of the group. And that's sort of what, I, what I'm all about in my business. Um, everyone's, everyone's welcome. Um, and it's just about being better as long as you've sort of got that mentality. And um, we've got some there's some there's some unique individuals if you've ever done a party wave with me it's um it's it's a lot of fun there's there's a lot of amazing people from so many different walks of life um and i guess the challenge is just an extension of that so i've probably got i don't know 40 or 50 people who have been clients at some point in the last couple of years in there but the rest are people who aren't clients or they're spartans or people that i know from the from the ocr community or or people that i know personally and they've, they've never done anything with me um but, yeah, it's sort of how, how can we maybe do a little bit of good with it as well? So the community challenge this week was find a, a way to support a local business. Um, and it doesn't necessarily mean going and spending money there. But if you've been doing your shopping at Woolworths and you could go to a local grocery store, I would prefer you to do that. Mm. Um, but it might even be just going to a local cafe instead of going through the Macca's drive through or yeah. going and, like I, this week, I did the challenge, so I've been throwing on my story. I've been tagging local businesses where I go. Hey, guys, good fella, still open for coffee. I went to the supplement store yesterday to get my quarantine kit. Um, so I, you know, tagged the supplement store. So it's just sort of how can you do a little bit of good? You're, you're looking like you can ask a question. Yeah, where's um, where's Goodfellas? Goodfellas? It's, uh, it's Norwest. Is it like next to a river? Oh, not really a river. It's sort of next to a little, like, like a man-made dam thing, like with a fountain in it. Um, near Blacktown. Fairly close, yeah. Northwest. Like, there's like a train station or something. They're building a train station. Am I thinking of the same thing? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, they've just built the metro, so the northwest metro line at yeah. Bella Vista. I was there for, I, I, I like, hung out there at Oberon. Legit. Yeah, like a couple. Of a good fella. They do. They do bagels and coffee. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was man. So I fucking. I, I'm there literally every day. I eat oh, their right. avo, avo bagels. I sit on their Wi-Fi for like three hours a day. I love it. Um, yeah, it's a great cafe. If you're yeah. if you're around there, go check out your fellas. It's, it's good vibe. <laughs> yeah, they're well. They're still doing takeaways, so I've, I'm trying to cut back on the bagels because I've <laughs> I've uh, decided that I'm going to come out of this the other side of this in absolute beast mode. So. Good. Um, getting a little bit serious about things. But, um, but yeah, still go for a coffee every morning, walk the dog down there. But, yeah, that's, that's about 500 metres from my house. Um, yeah, I was, staying, I was staying up there on, on the way out to Oberon. Yeah, cool. There. Yeah, it was a really good cafe. I mean, yeah. maybe I was there because I saw it on your good story. Vibes. I don't know. But, anyway, yeah, good vibes. 
Good vibes. Um, That's what it's all about. Yeah, cool. Uh, okay, so last question then. Because mm. um, we're almost almost time. You've probably got a thousand things to do. I'm actually surprisingly free. I'm <laughs> exercising at four, four o'clock today. <laughs> um, so what do you think? So, yeah, you're very, very involved in the OCR community. Um, before COVID-19 and they started cancelling events, they had pretty major news like um, Spartan Race acquiring Tough Mudder, mm. um, different races closing or limiting their offerings, offerings that weren't COVID-19 related. What do you see happening for obstacle course racing as a sport over the next 12 months mm. in light of recent events and in light of what was happening in the lead-up to I think you're going to see a big shuffle in the economy. I think a lot of um, a lot of businesses that weren't very sustainable are going to not be in business anymore. Mm. Um, maybe a lot of events will will hurt, and my charger just zapped me. Um, that's very safe. Um, the yeah, you're going to see a big reshuffle, and I think. Um, Companies, and obviously in Australia especially, the government's coming in and bailing out a lot of companies. Mm. But overseas, maybe that's not going to happen so much. So hopefully Spartan can weather it because I imagine they're um, taking amazing fucking hits right now because mm. it's, you know, you, you see people jump up and down when races get cancelled and stuff. Like, oh, fuck, the bushfires. Oh, this is fucked. I've, I've lost my travel money. It's like the fucking race organizer loses the most, like yeah. <laughs> they're like out of the order of hundreds of thousands, most likely. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they, they, they don't want to be canceling shit. Mm. Um, I think tough mother was, uh, it was evident that it was an unsustainable business model. One thing that they did really, really, really fucking well was build that community and that culture. Mm. Um, and a really interesting thing, when Spartan did their analytics when they were looking to buy, you would think that people who run Spartan would also be running Tough Mudder, right? Mm. So you would think that there's a fair bit of cross-pollination there. Um, and in, the, in Australia, that's, that's pretty true because we don't have races every weekend. So you've got to go a little bit far, further and wider to, to scratch the itch. Um, but I heard, I heard numbers that there was only a crossover of 7% of people who would both race Tough Mudder and Spartan in the US. Mm. So it's very, they very much have their own market over there. Um, I think maybe if, and, and when I was talking to Joe in Sydney, I asked him about this and he, he just confirmed that they had bought it. Mm. Um, and the idea was that they were going to run it as, a, as its own entity. I think they would just come in and fix, you know, oil a couple of gears fix a couple of business processes because as, as businesses scale, you've, you've got to be able to control that. Right. Yeah. Um, so I think if Spartan survives, Tough Mudder will survive. Mm. Um, hopefully they both survive. I think there's been, you, you're seeing what's happening in a, in, in quite a, a young sport, uh, which which is obstacle racing. I think Spartan only ran their first event in 2012 from memory at Vermont. Um, you know, they've had 7 million competitors, 8, 8 million competitors worldwide since. So it's growing very quickly. They're talking about trying to get into the Olympics probably in the next four to eight years. Um, 
I'm hoping to get onto the uh, Australian committee for the for OCR. Um, so it's it's changing, it's it's growing, and it's growing really really fucking fast. So you're going to see the businesses that are better will take their place at the top of the market um, in the same way that there might be hundreds of social medias that have been started, but Snapchat, Facebook, you know, Instagram, yeah, yeah they're, the, they're, they're the main ones because they just outplayed everyone else. They innovated quicker. They gave people what they wanted. They did better marketing. So you, you're always going to see events start and, and, and go under. You're going to see other companies that maybe – don't give as good races, do a better job of marketing, but do better and, and grow faster. Mm. Um, I think Spartan's probably the pick of the bunch as far as what they do. Uh, there's there's a lot of like standardization happening in the sport and I think that's good for a few reasons and it's bad for a few reasons. It's bad if you like the old OG stuff, which is the crazy shit, right? Yeah. So it's like the crazy barbed wire crawls where you fucking had to spew at the end and, and like the fucking hectic sandbag carries that nobody could do. Um, sandbag alley, good time. Yeah. Yeah. So like I, I think the, the OGs, and, and I'm not even one of them, mm. um, are seeing a lot of that stuff go away. Mm. And it's like, fuck you, don't take our toys. <laughs> but I think the the other side of that is as like Spartan grows and and expands, um, you you have to systemize. You have to you have to give people a similar experience in Sydney than you do in um, Malaysia to the US. You know, you you want to have that. Like a, a, I I think a business like that, you, you're definitely going to have differences in terrain and, and stuff like that. But I think. And, and climate and all that type of stuff, I think they're going more along the, the McDonald's model, which is how do we make our fucking chips taste the same shit in Sydney as they do in Perth? Mm. Um, so how do we give people a standard, uniform, amazing experience wherever they go? Um, so that's why you're seeing that standardisation, but I think you're also seeing it because they're looking to go into the Olympics. They're mm. looking to make the sport more credible. As you become bigger and bigger, you no longer are a niche and you no longer attract the diehards who are looking for you. So if you want to grow and if you want to hit that middle of the market, you have to adjust to, ma- to match the middle, right? Because they're not going to adjust to you. They're not going to turn up to do 60-hour hurricane heats because they're not fucking crazy. Only us crazy motherfuckers are crazy, right? So you, you've got to adjust the sport to, to match the market that you're trying to sell to. So I think that's where you're seeing a lot of standardization. I, I think a lot of I think pre-COVID, you are always going to see smaller races go out of business, and you'll, you'll also see smaller events grow. Um, there's a one. There's one that uh, Decafit's coming. Um, there's one in the states, High Rocks, that's coming really, really fast. Um, it, it's it's growing quite quickly in in the states, and it's sort of like a mix between OCR and CrossFit. Yeah. Um, where they do like a one k run, and then they might do a set amount of work. They might be on a rower. Then the stadium one, they're setting that like yeah, it's like a um, like an athletics. Yeah, type. yeah, and they they set them up in like big exhibition centers and that type of shit. But um, but yeah, you're sort of starting to see a lot of crossover. A lot of the big OCR athletes are getting into this this high rock stuff. Chris Woolley hit a couple of them when he was over there. So I, I think it's like it's like anything, you know. There's going to be businesses 
that get in the game and they're just not very good at what they do and they're not very good at marketing and they're or they, they might have a good product and they might have the best intentions. They just might not be the best at, in fucking business, right? Yeah. I don't plenty of people who run their own businesses and they're fucking amazing and I, I love them and what they do is incredible but they just can't manage their fucking money so they're never going to grow. So, you know, I think you're always going to see people go under and it's sad um, because like watching any business go under, like it's fucking heartbreaking right now watching a lot of people go under, mm. um, especially in fitness where we're all like a lot of the people are contractors. Yeah. Um, well, not 20, getting 20,000 fitness professionals was on the news the other day just – Get nothing. I don't even. I don't even think they're getting bailouts. Yeah, because they're not full time employed. Yeah. Um, fuck. It's fucking rough, man. It's rough if you're on that side of the fucking coin. Um, well, that's fifty percent of the industry. I fucking. I fucking am like. <laughs> I fucking work for myself. My partner earns more than the threshold, so I don't. I don't get shit. Yeah. Um, first world problems, right? Yeah. Um, but it fucking hurts. It's hurt everyone. So. I think you're always going to see people go under. Um, I, I've had to pull right back on what I do, um, at least for like the first week or two where I was like, fuck, I've got to like stem the bleeding, right? I've got all this shit that I pay for like and all these like systems and stuff that might be 20 or $30 a month, mm. but there's fucking 20 of them. <laughs> like once the revenue drops, you got to cut on those. Otherwise you get death, death by a thousand cuts. Yeah. So you're always going to see businesses go under. I think before COVID, you were seeing races go out of business, but you're seeing new things start too. So I think as the as the industry changes, I, th- I think it's exciting, man, because I think what's happening is we're we're attracting more people. It's becoming more mainstream, which mm-hmm. means there's more room in the market for innovation and, and new types of events. Um, I think if you still want the crazy shit, um, you can do hurricane heats, you can do ultras, you can do... Go and do go and do an an, an agogi over in uh, over in Dubai. Yeah, that's my uh, that's my plan, man. Uh, Abu Dhabi in December. I'm I think it's still on. I'm going to do the I'm going to do the 60 hour agogi, right. and then the next day is the world champs trifecta, and I'm going to try and do all of it. So, yeah, but um, love it. I don't know. Did I answer that question? I spoke yeah, a lot. That was a good. That was a good question. Yeah, ACR 12 months. What's happening? Um, cool, man. Well, so we're at quarter to quarter to four. You got to work out at four o'clock. Um, we were just talking some business stuff. I've got some pretty crazy out there ideas, and I'd love to actually talk to you in more of a like a private thing. Yeah, if yeah. you're open to it. Definitely um, down, man. About some opportunities, some pretty exciting opportunities. So uh, let's keep the conversation happening. Thank you for your time this afternoon. Yeah, an absolute pleasure, man. It's interesting to be on this side of it for once. Yeah, well, hopefully not for the last time. Yeah, hopefully not. So, that's been cool, man. And I, I appreciate it, man. I, and I love what you're doing as well, getting around, chatting to a lot of people. It's, um, it's, it's good, man. It's good. Yeah, cool. Thanks, Matt. Um, Pleasure. Have a good night and enjoy your workout. Sweet. Cheers, dude.